Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Clarifying Catholicism. Ordinarily, we explore theological topics, but in this series, we investigate the writings of, in my opinion, the most important little-known philosopher of the 20th century, Javier Zubiri. This is not a theological series at all whatsoever. However, if you want to do good theology, you'll need a good philosophical backbone first. So if you want to check out the rest of the episodes in this series, check the link in the description. Without further ado, on to the show. Last episode, we learned a little about Javier Zubiri's life, as well as his issues with the ancient philosophical tradition. In summary, he criticized the ancients for believing that being belongs to things, rather than belonging to the observers or process of knowing things. He also criticized them for believing that knowledge strictly occurs in the soul, rather than the body, and that the universe's laws are unchanging. He also accused them of failing to make appropriate distinctions between being, truth, and reality. Modern philosophers had their fair share of critiques of these same ideas, though before we get to them, we should mention an important transition in philosophy. The Middle Ages sparked a renewed interest in ancient philosophy, which was spearheaded by scholars like St. Thomas Aquinas. This movement, known as scholasticism, appropriated many Greek beliefs and applied them to their medieval setting, albeit with a very few important distinctions. First of all, the scholastics rejected the Greek notion of an eternal universe, given their Judeo-Christian belief that God created the world from nothing. This important reversal has arguably remained consistent in philosophy until today. And while some may see this as an arbitrary shift, it's actually quite important. You see, for Aristotle, the elements are eternal and thus not created by God. This makes God merely a mover of elements, leaving the soul's quest to know things largely unconnected to God. With scholasticism, however, we have the notion that all things being created by God are imbued with a spiritual reality hidden beneath their particular physical forms. The process of attaining knowledge, therefore, receives an even more spiritual dimension, since according to the Christian tradition, God wants us to know him through his creation. This shift to a created universe is a subtle yet important distinction between ancient and scholastic philosophy, as it has arguably produced an even more static and rigid way of doing philosophy. For to contradict the established principles of epistemology, nature, and even ethics was to question God himself, as well as his authorities. This closely intertwined philosophy with theology, which arguably was a huge mistake. Furthermore, the scholastic took the Greeks' equation of being with reality to its logical conclusion by using the exact same word to refer to both being and reality. That word in Latin is ens, E-N-S, and it is commonly translated as both being and reality. Thus, in Zubiri's words, the scholastics entified reality, fixing being and reality as one in the same, a huge assumption. Now, whereas the ancients and scholastics equated being with reality and located them beyond the physical world, the modern philosophers took a very different direction. Starting with René Descartes, reality was located inside the mind rather than beyond it. Since the mind embeds us into reality, that mind is capable of peeling back layers of reality and thus arriving at a perfect knowledge of truth. 
This movement, which is characterized by an overconfidence in reason, is called rationalism. To know things is to conceive them clearly, which Zubiri finds quite problematic since he observes how, while knowledge of a given subject does yield some level of satisfaction, it does not exhaust the topic. There's always something more to know, which defies the rationalist belief that knowledge is merely about arriving at rational clarity. Essentially, rationalism switched out the soul's supremacy over the body with the mind's supremacy over the body. Instead of the body giving confused content to the soul to figure out what was real, it was now up to the mind to perform this task. Meet the old boss, same as the new boss. Immanuel Kant also shared Zubiri's critique of rationalist philosophy. His alternative, though, was just as problematic, according to Zubiri. For Kant, there is a strict division between being and reality. We can only know things as presented beings, which he calls phenomena. But their underlying reality, which he calls noumena, is totally unknown to us. This division between being and reality to Zubiri is unacceptable, since it renders reality inaccessible. But if reality is inaccessible, then we wouldn't even be able to say anything about it, including the statement, reality is inaccessible. Bit of a paradox there. Furthermore, it seems a bit problematic to talk about being if we have zero interaction with the realities that give rise to those beings. Attempting to bridge the gap between reality and being, Friedrich Hegel conceived of reality as shaped by being. Though this time, being was something that belonged to humans. You see, while ancient and medieval scholars claimed that being belonged to things, Hegel believed that being instead belonged to humans. This shift is often known as the turn from objectivism to subjectivism, since it meant that being, reality, and truth were now properties of the subject rather than the object. Now, rationalism had already started this turn by saying that reality is shaped by the mind, but Hegel took rationalism to its logical conclusion by saying that if being is shaped by the mind and the mind is constantly changing, then reality isn't something fixed. It changes over time. Thus, unlike the ancients and scholastics who considered being as extrinsic and fixed, as well as the rationalists who considered being as imminent and static, Hegel considered being as imminent and fluid. It, as well as truth and reality, fundamentally change over the course of human history. So even though Kant believed that it was impossible to know reality, he at least saw being as fixed according to certain laws which were held together by an unknowable reality. For Hegel, being, reality, and truth are fluid, and they flow according to the collective consciousness that humans share throughout history. That consciousness is shaped by ideas that conflict with each other, otherwise known as a dialectic. This is important because what shapes reality, according to Hegel, isn't so physical, rather it is intellectual. Basically, we go from a static and rigid concept of the universe in the ancient scholastic method, in which being, reality, and truth are fixed extrinsic entities to the physical world, to a very fluid concept of the universe, according to Hegel, in which being, reality, and truth are shaped by our subjective minds over time. All of these conceptions of being, reality, and truth, according to Zubiri, are unsustainable. The world, according to the ancients and scholastics, is too fixed and rigid. It risks falling into a dangerous absolutism in which certain cultures and religions can claim supreme access to reality because their souls are superior to others. The world, according to the rationalists, is just as dangerous. 
For it reduces being, reality, and truth to products of the mind, thus paving the way for subjectivism. It's my mind, it's my truth. The Kantians threatened to sever access to reality at all whatsoever, which could lead to skepticism or relativism. Finally, the moderns make reality entirely dependent on the whim of changing times. There can be no consistent truth if reality is dependent on being. All of this stems from an improperly articulated relationship between sensation and intellection. For the ancients and scholastics, the senses are inferior to the intellect, which is located in the soul. For the rationalists, the senses are also inferior to the intellect, which is, this time, located in the mind. For Kant, the senses are organized by the intellect, but the intellect never reaches reality. For Hegel, the intellect, and by extension reality itself, fluidly shapes itself over time via dialectic. Notice how in each of these systems, there is a rather rigid distinction between the functions of the senses and the intellect. The strict division between mind and matter, especially the pervasive notion of the mind's dominance over the body, makes all of Western philosophy, according to Zubiri, a sensible intelligence in which the body just delivers confused content to the almighty intellect, rather than a sentient intelligence in which mind and body shape each other. Given our understandings of modern physics, it makes much more sense to conceive of a universe whose laws are dynamic rather than static. Also, given our understandings of biology, psychology, neuroscience, and evolution, it makes much more sense to conceive of a metaphysics that has a radical unity rather than a division between body and mind, sensation and intellection. Next episode, we will begin studying what Zubiri conceives of as the proper relationship between sensation and intellection which therefore leads to a proper relationship between being, reality, and truth. Until then, have a great day. God bless you.